You are listening to the podcast of the Y Church of the Elk River YMCA in Minnesota. Our mission is to seek Jesus, connect together, and share his love. We're going to be in Genesis 16. This is an intriguing story. And JC, thanks for reading. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, but she had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan ten years, Sarai, his wife, took her Egyptian slave Hagar and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar, and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abram, You are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she is pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. Your slave is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, slave of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? I am running away from my mistress, Sarai, she answered. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel added, I will increase your descendants so much that they will be too numerous to count. The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now pregnant, and you will give birth to a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. He will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. And he will live in hostility toward all his brothers. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Leroy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. So Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram gave the name Ishmael to the son she had born. Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore him Ishmael. All right, thanks, JC. All right, well, I've got a fun picture to share as we get started. This is just from a few days ago. Andrew and I had the opportunity to be at the National YMCA Christian Mission Conference in upstate New York. And so here we are. This is a group of 71 leaders from 17 states. And in that picture are YMCA staff, CEOs, executive directors, aquatics directors, front desk staff, the whole crew. And then there's YMCA chaplains or directors of Christian Mission. And then our niche, Andrew and I there as pastors of churches in the Y. And though Andrew and I were the ones who go and get to see it firsthand, I just wanted to bring back an encouraging word to you that the Y Church, our little congregation here in Elk River, is having a significant impact on the Christian renewal movement in the YMCA nationally. Equipping leaders, supporting other church plants, praying for God's purposes to be lived out here in the YMCA. And I come back, too, to remind you that it's teamwork. So Andrew and I got to travel and go be there and represent. But whatever serving team you're on, the Y group you're connected to, your presence here and relationship, this is how we carry out ministry. And it makes a huge difference. So be encouraged. And thanks for supporting Andrew and I as we went. Our hearts are full by what we've seen and heard and been a part of. This was also the first chance I had to travel with Andrew, and I do have to say I'm a bit jealous of how easy his name is to pronounce. 
compared to mine. When I travel outside of Minnesota, people have rarely ever seen the name Bjorn before. And even if I tell them, they look really confused and can't figure it out. So in a presentation at the conference, someone referred to me in something they were saying and referred to me as Bijan. And a few people then chuckled, including Andrew. And so the speaker kind of caught himself and he says, is that right? And I said, well, yeah, it's, that's the French pronunciation. Which was a joke, but if you know me, you know, humor is not my strong suit. So he didn't understand that it was a joke. He came up to me afterwards and he said, oh, hey, I'm sorry. I had no idea you're French. <laughs> so now I'm wondering what next year is going to look like. But it was an eventful week and there's nothing better than to come back with those kinds of stories of what God is doing across the country. And above all, to come home and to just worship with you in our gym here at the Elk River Y. So, JC, thanks for reading. We have this fantastic passage that I think if the Bible had such a thing as a soap opera, this would be it. This kind of story. When I was little and I was growing up in Rice Lake, Wisconsin, my sister and I had a widow who would look after us. My mom worked part-time at the church, and so we would be there for a little bit in the day, in the summer especially, when there was nowhere else to go. And she was called Grandma Mahala. And she lived in what she called a little crackerjack box house. It was this tiny little house where she took wonderful care of us. But my sister and I always knew that in her daily routine, there would be a time where we would be shuffled into the kitchen and she would sit down in her chair to watch Days of Our Lives. And, you know, we couldn't watch that show. That was very clear to us. However, she was just a sweet little old lady and we would just get behind her lazy boy and just peer out and basically be able to watch the full episode, and she was completely unaware. I'm sure some of you can hear the theme song play in in the back of your mind if you're old enough and you remember the show. Like sand through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives. That's how it would always start. So that's what I was thinking of reading this story. Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. High drama in Genesis 16. And yet a very down-to-earth and relevant passage for you and I. If you've ever wondered if God really sees you and hears you, then this is a story for you. If you've ever had to wait and you're wondering why God is taking so long, then this is a story for you. If you've ever grown impatient and maybe even taken things into your own hands, this is a story for you. And as the story begins, we have this short little sentence. Most of the verses I will not put up on the screen just because it's a long passage. So we'll just look at our Bibles together. Genesis 16.1, very short sentence that sets the problem. Sarai, Abram's wife, it says, had borne him no children. Now the reason the problem is immediately evident is because we've been reading and studying since chapter 12. And way back then, when Abram was called by God, he was given a very clear promise of offspring, that one day he and Sarai would have a family. They'd have a child. It was reiterated in chapter 13. It was doubled down last week in chapter 15. That's where we read, look up at the sky, God says to Abram. Count the stars if indeed you can count them. He says, so shall your offspring be. 
But as of chapter 16, Abram's still waiting. And they're getting up there in years. They can't be waiting forever. And so Sarai comes up with a plan. And this is the days of our lives part of the story. She says to Abram in verse 2, The Lord has kept me from having children. So here's the solution. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Now, at least a couple of things there are very unconventional and unfamiliar to us. But their social customs allowed for this solution. And you can hear that Sarai is frustrated, even bitter towards God. As you read the line, she says, The Lord has kept me from having children. It's his fault. And so in her frustration now, she steps in to solve the problem. Now for Abram's part, he goes along with it. In fact, he's remarkably passive throughout this story. No spine whatsoever. And it's a good reminder for us that Abraham is not called by God in chapter 12 because he's such an all-around solid guy. That is not why God reaches into Abram's life. He is not a guy who's just so incredibly virtuous that now God wants to reward him. But no, he's an ordinary guy, a fallen human being, who by God's grace is invited to follow him. And sometimes he gets it right, like we see Abram in chapter 13 and 14 with his nephew Lot, or chapter 15 with the covenant. And then other times, he really messes it up. Like chapter 12, he gets caught lying. That's not a story that we had time to study in the series. Here in chapter 16 with Hagar, and there will be more blunders to come. So he sleeps with Hagar. She becomes pregnant. But now the trouble really starts brewing because Hagar starts rubbing it in. It says with her pregnancy, she began to despise her mistress. She's prideful and vengeful, and that is a tough combination. So Sarai, who is equally emotionally unhealthy, then runs back to Abram and says, this is your fault. You better do something about this lady. To which Abram says, well, why don't you do whatever you think is best? So men, are you seeing one of the takeaways for us in this story? There is a tendency for us men to be passive, to not step up, to pass the buck. And certainly there are men who struggle with the opposite. There are men who will charge in and boss people around and walk all over others. But I think the greater challenge in our time is men who avoid responsibility. Men who don't take initiative and lead. And I share this, guys, as one of you who doesn't desire to make us feel bad, but it kind of reminds me of why they have mirrors up on the fitness floor. What is the mirror there for? It's for your good. It gives you an accurate view of your form. And then you can see if, if my form is off, so here in the story this morning, if the word applies to me, I can see it and I can fix it. And if you don't know how to do that, upstairs you would ask a trainer on the fitness floor. Here we, we ask the Holy Spirit, will you help me? I've got some area of lack, Lord, and, and I don't know how to close it, but you can. Or you could ask another brother in Christ here at church. We want to help each other here in this environment grow as men who know how to take responsibility who know how to take initiative 
and lead in a godly way. So Abram missed the opportunity. At least in Genesis 16 he does. He gives Hagar over to Sarai, even though he could have seen a mile away that this was not going to end well. And sure enough, Sarai treats Hagar so badly that she runs away. That's the end of scene one. You can split the story into two halves. You have verses one to six, and then the second half is verses seven through 16. In the first half, scene one, we learn a lot about what not to do. And we can see in the character flaws of all three of these folks, we learn from their flaws. But probably the biggest takeaway is for you and I to not step in and try to solve what we think God is not getting done. Abram and Sarai introduce tremendous complications into their story when they force the issue and try to accomplish God's plans for him. The far better option would have been, even though it's hard, to continue to wait in faith. Even when you think it's taking longer than it should. God had said that he would give them a family. And Abram, in his better moments, like in a chapter earlier, is confident that God will do what he said. But in chapter 16, it's like he loses sight of it. And the option with Hagar is an easy way out. On Friday, we had the wedding of one of our first Y Church kids. Took a picture of us there. That's Jacob Palm. He was nine years old when the Y Church started. And now he was getting married this weekend. And for their ceremony, Jacob and Caitlin selected Proverbs 3 as one of their readings. And it's a passage that has that line, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. Oswald Chambers, who was a YMCA chaplain, he applied that very verse to this story in Genesis 16. In his book on Abraham, he says, Beware of leaning on your own understanding instead of trusting in the Lord with all your heart. Never say, God must do this thing. You have no business to dictate to him. You have to remain true to God, and when his word is fulfilled, you will know he has fulfilled it because it is a supernatural fulfillment. Always beware of being more eager to do God's will than God is for you to do it. That's classic Oswald Chambers, if you've ever read his devotional, My Utmost for His Highest. In whatever situation you might be in, where you're frustrated by waiting, or you're discouraged by a delay or unresolved situation, you've got two options. Step in to solve it or wait on the Lord. Those are the two plain options we see this morning. You can bring a human solution or you can wait on God's solution. You can walk by faith or you can give up on that and walk by sight. Only one of those two options is going to lead you where you actually want to go. And the other is just going to end with more heartache and frustration. So that's part one. Now part two we pick up in verse seven as we look back at the text. The scene shifts to Hagar, who has just fled the wrath of Sarai. And the angel of the Lord finds her near a spring in the desert. 
Now, angel of the Lord is a phrase that we find in the Old Testament that tells us this is not just an ordinary angel. But the angel of the Lord is a distinct figure mentioned 84 times in the Old Testament. And we could have a a whole message just about the angel of the Lord, but to cut to the chase, the angel of the Lord is actually Jesus in the Old Testament. This is the pre-incarnate Son of God. That means it's Jesus before Christmas, before God sends his Son. God puts on human flesh and steps into our world. And I think it's fascinating to run into this in the Old Testament, the angel of the Lord, 84 times. And of all people, the Son of God first appears to this Egyptian slave woman in distress. And that is so like God that he seeks the outcast, the last person you'd ever think, and he shows up for the foreigner, the slave, the woman who's driven into the desert. And he addresses her by name. He says, Hagar, where have you come from and where are you going? Which is a profound question, isn't it? Now she answers him and says something that is as true as anything I've ever heard. She says, I'm running away. I'm running away from my problems. I'm running away from conflict. I'm running away because my life is overwhelming and I don't know where I'm going. And then look at the response that God gives to her in verse 9. Go back to your mistress, he says, and submit to her. And this too is very much like God. Instead of just giving her room to run from her problems, God sends her right back into it. But he sends her back now with the spirit of humility instead of pride. And he sends her back with a clear message of hope. He says, I will increase your descendants so much that they'll be too numerous to count. God is giving this Egyptian slave a family of her own. That's just amazing. And then he gives some more detail on it in verse 11. He says, you will give birth to a son and you shall name him Ishmael for the Lord has heard your misery. In the Bible, they often give names to describe the occasion. And Ishmael's name means God hears. He hears the heart cry of his people. He hears their needs, their afflictions. He doesn't turn a deaf ear. He doesn't ignore us, but he hears and he answers. This is what Sarai and Abram should have actually known in their waiting, but they lost sight of it. And they missed out, and Hagar got the benefit. Now, the news that's given to her is not all roses. The angel of the Lord says her son will be a wild donkey of a man, And his hand will be against everyone, and everyone's hand against him. Now, you notice in the story, Hagar doesn't respond negatively to that. She knows her future is secure with her son. But we can see that Abram and Sarai's lapse of judgment will have far-reaching effect. And I think it's so interesting that this story came up on the very weekend that Israel was attacked once again. And we'll get to pray about this together later. I'll address it now and just acknowledging this is a complicated discussion. And we have to be very careful with any conclusions that we would draw. But here's the plain fact of the matter. 
most Muslims around the world would view Muhammad as a descendant of Ishmael. Muhammad himself claimed to be in the lineage of Ishmael. And he noted the connection between the tribes of Ishmael and the Arab people groups. I trust you understand why I'm saying we have to be careful with the conclusions that we draw and that nothing would become a soundbite that someone runs away with. One of my good friends in Germany is an Arab Israeli, and as a Muslim, he would have nothing to do with what's going on there right now. It is also good for us to remember that there are many people in the Arab world right now who are coming to faith in Jesus. Isa is how they call him, as their Lord and Savior. And yet, nevertheless, here we are on a weekend where we once again see the age-old conflict between the descendants of Ishmael and the descendants of Isaac. This is the origin of that story. When Abraham and Sarai chose the way of human ingenuity instead of relying on God, and here we find ourselves today. So Hagar is not troubled by these things. She is just marveling in the fact that God came to find her in the desert and has just spoken to her. Verse 13, I think, is the key verse of the day. It says, She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. She is the first one in the Bible who got to see Jesus. Ishmael means God hears. El Roy is the Hebrew that means God sees. And the names in this story say it all. God hears and he sees me. And Hagar is going to need to come back to these promises as the story continues. At first now, things will seem to get patched up with her and Sarai and Abram. But sometime today, go and read the next part of this story that happens in chapter 21. You don't even have to read the whole chapter, but go read the beginning of chapter 21. You'll see things flare up again, and Hagar gets the boot for good now. But now she has her little son in tow. And she thinks that they're going to die in the desert in chapter 21. It is the lowest point in her life. But once again, we see God remind her, he sees and he hears. Along with that reading in chapter 21, I want to give you one other fun little assignment. You can check out a short film, by short I mean 12 minutes, a 12-minute film by Kathy Lee Gifford and Nicole Mullen. So that's right, if you're old enough, you might remember Kathy Lee from Live with Regis and Kathy Lee and the morning show called Today. She was well known there as that was the number one show in the country. And Nicole Mullen is a gospel singer. And they did this 12-minute musical piece filmed in Israel that is called The God Who Sees, El Roy. And it puts four biblical stories together into one song all about the God who sees. And it begins with Hagar. Godwhosees.com. Click play and watch it. Watch it as a family. Watch it with your kids today. This lesson is so powerful for Hagar that she names the well after it, the living one who sees me. He sees my affliction. He sees my cry. And the question that comes back to you and I this morning is, do you know that? 
Is that your reality? Do you know that you have not fallen out of his sight? Do you know that your prayers are not just bouncing off the ceiling? But God knows what you need. Jesus said, I will never leave you nor forsake you, even when you feel like it, by the way. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Behold, I am with you to the very end of the age. Nothing can change that. I want to close by telling you about the last night at the conference in New York that Andrew and I were at. We had a worship service and communion. And before communion, I was able to share about the biblical phrase, the apple of his eye. God says in his word that you are the apple of his eye. But where does that saying come from? And what does it mean? Those are the things we talked about, and maybe another day we'll, we'll get to that. But I can tell you this, that this is what Hagar came to know, that she was the beloved apple of God's eye. And she knew that in spite of enormous challenges around her and enormous heartache and abandonment, that God's eye, his watchful care, had never left her. She knew that as she called on him, as she did in the desert, that he would answer. And that out of his great love, she was and would always remain the apple of his eye. The next day as Andrew and I traveled home, I got the following text from a YMCA CEO, a CEO in another state in the Y, and by the way, the same guy who called me Bijan in his remarks. (laughs) But here is what he texted to me said, at the service last night, one of our staff surrendered his life to Jesus. We want to never make the assumption that just because people get together for a church service or a Christian conference that everyone would be a believer. So he says, one of our staff surrendered his life to Jesus. He told our team during our debrief this morning before we left, big answer to our prayers. He suffers from serious depression and anxiety. Jesus is now his new identity, hope, and peace. Praise God. Whatever it is that you're facing, I cannot encourage you enough to face it with the Lord, to trust his word, to hang on to his promises, and to wait for his timing. He hears you. And he sees you. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, we thank you that we can open this book that you've given to us and we can learn from others' mistakes. And Lord, we recognize that we're really not so different from Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. We thank you, Lord, that you hear us and see us. And we ask today, Lord, that you would help us to trust you in whatever circumstance this applies to us individually right now, that we would wait on the fulfillment of your promises and that today you would give us a word of hope and direction. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Y Church Podcast. For more information about the Y Church, Check us out online at thewychurch.org.